What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey everyone, we're pumped to share our exclusive trailer with you after the show. From Blue Wire Studios comes Golden Goal, stories of soccer legends. Narrated by fellow Blue Wire host Brandon Kelly. Each Monday, two new episodes take a look into some of soccer's biggest stars and the moments that define their careers. From Holland, Zlatan, Messi, Rapino, and many more, each episode will focus on their historical plays and personalities that make the sport great. So stay tuned after the episode and listen to Golden Goal. Stories of soccer legends wherever you get your podcasts. All right, this podcast is brought to you by betonline.ag, your online wagering solutions. We're going to be joined later by Adam Spolane of Sports Radio 610 to talk about how the Rockets look as a contender going into the Orlando bubble. I hope you guys enjoy the show. Blue Wire. Russell Westbrook is off to Houston. It's going to be scary. Not for us. And Westbrook is on the freeway! What's up, guys? Welcome to Ready to Podcast. My name is Salman Ali, at Salman Ali NBA on Twitter. You're joined by the great Adam Spolane, who I haven't talked to for two months. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing good. All of a sudden, things are getting busy after three months of doing nothing. But Astros and Rockets going on at the same time, is it's making things a little hectic. I'm just I'm glad there's there's finally sports right around the corner, specifically basketball. I'm glad we'll be able to write about this stuff again, podcast about the stuff again. Well, I've been podcasting this entire time, but now we'll be able to podcast about the actual games going on right now. Um, starting with some things that the Rockets did over the last week. So Tabo Saflosha opted out of Orlando for the Rockets, and the Rockets used that roster spot to sign 33-year-old swingman Luke Mbaamute. Mbaamute is back, uh, and listen, like this is a guy I have been wondering why teams haven't taken a flyer on for for the past year because you know yeah his shoulders were pretty bad and he did not look good for the Clippers when they signed him, but. I mean, this was a guy who was really productive for the Rockets when he played off the bench for them in 2018. And I thought, uh, if had he not hurt his shoulders, he was probably the best defensive wing that they had uh, going into the playoffs. And I I think this is a guy worth taking a flyer on. I, I'm, I'm just surprised it took so long for a team to at least try him out, see how he looks. Uh, I mean, he's been hurt, and he only played four games last year. He actually... He, you know, I, I've kind of made a big deal about how J.R. Smith hasn't played in um, a year and a half. It's actually been longer for for Lupa Mute. Um, so uh, the health thing is big, and you know, you said it's the big what if for the 2018 Rockets. It's not necessarily Chris Paul. Obviously, that turned out to be a big deal for him for sure. But uh, Bob Mute getting hurt in Game 81 it completely changed them. And you know, Ryan Anderson's on the floor in game seven, trying to guard Steph Curry, that should have been Luke Bamute. And if it's Bamute instead of Anderson, then maybe things are a little bit different in game seven. Uh, he he knows what they do. Uh, you know, we're going to talk about it. I don't know if he makes any sort of an impact. It's hard for me to think that he will, considering it's been such a long time since he played. Uh, but if they need him, 
he knows what they do. He knows their personnel. They know him. So it's an easy decision to make, especially without Cephalosha. Yeah, and listen, like going back to 2018, here's the here's the thing. If if Mbamute is healthy, Gerald Green doesn't play in that series. And listen, I love Gerald Green. Uh, Gerald Green is not good defensively. He's not a guy you want to play against the Warriors. Uh, and Mbamute would have been really helpful in that series, I'm sure. Uh, and it, it is it is a what if, but it's it, it it's whatever right now. Right now, we're talking about this year's Rockets and whether or not he can impact this year's uh, Rockets and. I guess the answer to that question is I I don't know I mean I, I we're gonna find out pretty quick I think I think we'll find out within the next eight games basically the, like the final eight games of the season if he sees real playing time I mean if he sees like fifteen minutes or something like that which is gonna be hard but I mean if if he does see that kind of time that is some kind of indication that the coaching staff is at least considering him I don't know I I don't even know how many coaching staff are going to Orlando I'm guessing not as much as normally. Uh, as a normal Rockets game, but it will be interesting. It will be interesting to see if he can crack the rotation in the regular season. Um, he'll certainly, you would imagine if he's healthy, he would get an opportunity. Um, he had the shoulder stuff here. He had the knee stuff in LA. Uh, they've kept tabs on him. It's not like, you know, he came out of nowhere with them over the last, you know, few weeks. They, they've checked in on him really, uh, going back to the start of this season. So, uh, they, they know him well, like I said, I it's hard for me to think that he would find his way ahead of even Damari Carroll or Jeff Green in the Rockets rotation, but it's possible. I wouldn't say it's impossible. And I think at this point you need as many good players as possible because obviously you have guys who are um, going to be susceptible to injury just because they haven't played in so long. And then you have just the added uh, dimension of coronavirus positive tests which you know could be you know you hope they're not rampant but you imagine that it's going to hit a team at some point in Orlando yeah and listen I'll take 2018 uh Lugan Bamute over uh this Jeff Green and this Damari Carroll any day of the week now whether or not we get 2018 Lugan Bamute is a real question as you said the injuries are a real thing to watch and he, it, it's, it has been a long time since he's played NBA basketball. This is something we need to talk more about when players come back and, and people get really excited about it. Uh, when guys don't play NBA basketball for a long time, there's probably a reason. There's probably a reason a team hasn't taken a chance on them. But I do think Mbamute was one of those guys that I would have taken a chance on. Like If I if I had some sort of reassurance that he was healthy and ready to go, I would, I would have taken a chance on him. And I, I think... You know, with Tabo going down, like, listen, Tabo wasn't going to play for the Rockets in uh, Orlando, but if an injury happened, he was a nice guy to throw in in a pinch. And they lost that guy. And now they, I guess, having Mbamute to fill that spot kind of, it, it works mentally for me. They're basically the same player. I right. mean, it's, I think it's pretty simple to say those two guys are essentially the same player. They are uh, switchable wings who don't really have much of an offensive game and they can probably play center for you at one point if you need them to. I think that they are essentially the same guy. Just one guy does not want to play in Orlando or can't play in Orlando. And the other guy wanted to. And one guy is not allowed to dunk. Uh, I'll say that. I, I, I guarantee you that coaching staff is not letting Luke and Mute touch anywhere near the rim. He is not allowed to go in that restricted area. Not, nah, not anymore. He might not be allowed to touch the basketball on this team, though. So yeah, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if dunking's really going to be a big issue for him. Those those injuries, by the way, were so hard. I, like, watching anyone pop their shoulder like that is just so hard to watch. 
Uh, but 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 in particular for Mbamute, so close to the playoffs, it was it was it was heartbreaking for him for me to watch him because I know he wanted to play. So we're gonna use this podcast to answer one question, one question only: How good are the Rockets, and is that good enough? And before we get to that question, what were your expectations for this Rockets team before the season began? Uh, I thought they would be a top four team in the West and probably cap out at the conference finals. Uh, I, it, it's really, it was really hard to say because you, there was so much uncertainty about it because you didn't know how things would look with Westbrook. Um, so you didn't know, you know, depth wise, how things were going to hold up with this team. You didn't know if there might be some distractions with the coaching situation. And then obviously the, the China thing uh, came up a little bit later once the season started. I, I did not think that they had gotten demonstrably better um, from last year. I think that they that the Westbrook trade made them a little bit better and kind of opened up their window a little bit. Um, but I did not see a team that was going to you know win 55 games in the West and beat both L.A. teams. I thought maybe it was possible, but I, it, I thought that it was probably uh, unlikely and by the time the the season was was halted, I kind of felt the same way. Yeah, so listeners of the show know that I was pretty critical of the Chris Paul trade. In fact, I was with you when, when the trade actually happened. And, you know, I, I just thought Paul was a better player and the better fit next to Harden. I understood the rationale at the time, but that doesn't mean I agreed with it. I still, on some level, think it was the wrong move. Uh, I think bringing, bringing back Daniel House and Austin Rivers for the deals that they got were pretty solid. I thought extending Eric Gordon was the right move, even though his contract looks a little pricey right now. Uh, I didn't really have an opinion on Ben McLemore at the time. It just seemed like a decent flyer to me. But obviously that worked out really good, uh, much better than many people expected. Overall, I thought their offseason was fine. Uh, but I thought there were teams in the Western Conference that were better than them, particularly the Clippers. I really loved the Clippers going into the season. Still do. And... For the season, that's pretty much what they've been. Uh, although I had them winning fifty-four games, and they're on pace to win like fifty-two to fifty-one. Like they're they're going to underachieve that by two or three wins. Um, but let's talk about their season and let's break it up because I feel like the Rockets had two different seasons: uh, pre-trade deadline and post-trade deadline. So pre-trade deadline, how did you think Houston fared relative to your expectations? Uh, I thought that they underachieved. Um, I, you know, I, I think you could even break it up to there are more than two seasons. It, it really felt like there were almost three or four, uh, to be honest with you, because there was the team in October and November that didn't defend anyone, and Westbrook and Harden was scoring forty points a game, and Westbrook was really struggling. And then it almost flipped to the point where Westbrook really turned it on once we got to to New Year's Day. And then Harden kind of came back to earth. They did start to play better defense. Then you have the trade. And then the, you know, post-trade, they look great. And then after that, you know, what was it, seven or eight games, whatever it was, they really started to come back down to earth before the shutdown. So I, I think they played a bunch of different seasons over what, how many games was it, 63 that they played? It, it was really kind of a, a bizarre regular season, even bizarre for for what they they normally do. And it was one of those things where, Harden and Westbrook never really got on the same level for a long time. 
And particularly Westbrook. Westbrook really struggled to fit into what Houston was trying to do in the beginning of the season. The fit was a little clunky. We always knew it was going to be a little clunky. The floor spacing was bad. The Westbrook's plus-minus numbers were a disaster. His his plus-minus numbers with the second unit, by the way, were even worse. And it, it, that was something that Houston really wanted from Westbrook, to him to him for him to really carry that second unit. He was not able to do that in the beginning. Um, it start, he started to come on a little bit later. And then the Rockets make this trade, and boy, let let me stop you though, because we even we talked about this with Austin Rivers. Um, I think it was in December before that that Phoenix game, where I think they all really knew that River that uh, Westbrook was being a little tentative, and they just had to tell him just go play your game and don't worry about everything else. And it really felt like pre trade in January, he was their best player, and. You know, I, I'd say this right now. If I had an MVP vote, I would put Westbrook ahead of Harden just for the entire season. I just think that's how good he was towards the end of the year. And yeah, I, I think that he started to figure it out. And then I think Harden got a little tired there in February and March. And then his shot just left. Yeah, Harden was really bizarre in those couple months uh, leading up to the end of the season. But Westbrook did really start to come alive. And, and a part of it was he just stopped shooting threes. Like, he abandoned it. Like, he just, like, screw it. Like, I'm going to take these mid-range jumpers, which he had been, cr- you know, criticized for by me and a lot of other people because mathematically it's, it, was, it, was, it wasn't a good shot. But, I mean, it it just works for him for some reason. It gets him going. It works. Uh, and he, when he, and started, he attacked the rim like crazy too. Yeah, yeah, he like really started big things. He just attacked the rim nonstop for sure. He really started to get to get it going, play his game. He felt a lot more comfortable, and he started leading second units a lot better. Um, but overall, I, I before the trade deadline, I did not believe Houston was going to win a championship. I thought they underachieved as you did. I thought they needed to make a trade, but ultimately, I did not expect them to make the trade that they did. I thought Clint Capella was a safe bet to remain a Rocket. And I was pretty confident about that. In fact, like the day of the trade deadline, like I wrote a three thousand word trade deadline preview, and then only briefly discussed the possibility of a Capella for Covington swap. And even when I did mention it, I, I dismissed it. And lo and behold, there we were in the bowels of Toyota Center. Like twelve hours later, it's you, me, Kelly, and Alicon, and we're writing our post game stuff. And I think you're doing some stuff on your laptop. And we get the reporting from Adrian Wojnarowski that the Rockets had traded Clint Capella in a four-team trade for Robert Covington. And just a couple hours before, I had asked Mike D'Antoni postgame about Clint's future in Houston. And he had talked about it as if, like, I, I feel like he hedged his bets. I think Mike was in the know about the trade, but he he, he didn't really show his hand. He acted as if he was going to remain on the team post-trade deadline. Talks heated up during that game, and then they were able to get a, a deal done. Pretty shocking trade. From a basketball perspective, what did you think about Houston doubling down on microball? I mean, I, I think that we all could see it coming. I, I think you were the only one who didn't see it coming. Um, I, I think that you just you saw it, and it started with that game in Utah on uh, in January when they didn't have anyone, and they still beat the Jazz because they, and they just played small, and you could see them starting to shift away from centers when Clint Capella was hurt. And I think that they understood that this is the way that they have to play from now on, that this is how you maximize Russell Westbrook's talent, because with James Harden, he can be on the floor with anyone and he'll still be successful. But with Westbrook, you need certain guys on the floor with him. You need guys who can space the floor. And when Capella was out there, they didn't have that. And so if. So it just didn't make a whole lot of sense for them having Capella out there because it made Westbrook worse. 
and so you could you could tell and and I asked uh, D'Antoni this at one point after they had just decided to go small when Capella was still on the team. Uh, you know, we had seen it in the past when Capella was hurt. They'd always play a center, whether it would be Nene would get a start or Marquise Chris got a start. I think every now he might have gotten one. Isaiah Hartenstein got a start. Uh, Kenneth Fareed was starting games last year. Tyson Chandler was starting games. And now all of a sudden they decided not to play a center at all. And I asked him why they have now chosen the time to to just basically scrap playing centers without Capella. And he said simply it's because of Westbrook, because they have Westbrook and they can maximize what he does on the floor uh, when they have four floor spacers out there. So you can kind of see it. You can kind of see them trending in that direction. They had a guy who they really liked in Covington who really fit what they wanted to do. And it was basically a pretty easy trade to make. Well, in my defense... I just hadn't seen Houston make a, a huge, significant trade at the deadline with uh, in the Harden era. Like it, it, the Rockets had play, played it pretty safe at the trade deadline. They made moves. Don't don't get me wrong, but typically they make minor moves around the edges at the trade deadline and in the off seasons, really, where you get the big trades. And I I, I thought this was a similar trend. I thought they were gonna make a, a move around the edges, and I thought you know whatever they make at the, made at the deadline was gonna be pretty non noteworthy in that. They'd acquire maybe a, a decent role player and move on. But yeah, it, they, they did start trending in that direction. You're right. Uh, Clint Winkle Capella got hurt. They started playing with P.J. Tucker at center. They, they had the first game in NBA history since the 70s with uh, a lot, with no player above 6'5 playing. Was that was that the measurement? Was it 6'5 or 6'7? I mean, no, it was 6'6 it was six, six. because I think what house is 6'6. Six, six. Right, yeah, it was six six. So, so the first player in NBA, the first team in NBA history to play a to play a game without any player above six six. And you know, I just thought it was a, a thing they did out of necessity. I thought I thought they viewed Clint Capella as part of their long term future. Uh, clearly, I was wrong. Uh, and clearly, I did, hey, I did too. Yeah, he was. He's the only guy on the team who was twenty five years old or younger. So it did kind of feel like he was the building block. But I, I just think that you saw that they didn't really need him. He was. He's just very expendable for his skill set. And when you consider that he kind of disappeared in those two warrior series, he was kind of like, okay, we can see if we can go in a different direction here. There is no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partner, betonline.ag. Sports are slowly making their way back and betonline leading the way with the best odds and lines for all UFC, NASCAR, boxing, and soccer matches. And if you need even more, they have simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC simulations all day, every day, live on their website. Looking for something else other than sports? Bet Online has hundreds of casino games, poker tournaments, and prop bets to check out. Visit betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE for a free welcome bonus. That's one word, BLUEWIRE, all caps. Bet Online, your online wagering experts. Here, here's my next question. Did the trade and how they played in the months follow changed the way you view them as title contenders? And I'll go first. For me, what it did was etch them a pretty solid offensive identity that they were missing because the floor was so cramped uh, with new, two non-shooters. And team strength-wise, I guess you could say they got a little better because the floor isn't so cramped anymore and they got that extra wing that they badly needed um, going into the playoffs. But I'm not sure you would say the team elevated themselves to another tier of contendership. But I did think they got a little bit better. Uh, what about you? Did you feel like this trade changed the way you viewed them as a title contender? I mean, I didn't think the Capella Rockets were contenders. I, I just didn't think that they quite had that level in them uh, this season. And now with the post-trade, I still don't know. I, I need to see it a little bit more. So, 
you know, if they don't make the trade, I would tell you right now, you know, that they probably wouldn't have been contenders. And today I, I would say to you, it's still too early to tell. We really don't have, I think, what, we have a month of seeing them after the trade, and they have looked really good at times. I mean, they won in L.A. They, they beat Boston a couple times. Uh, they've got a win over Utah. And then they've got some really bad losses in that stretch also. So I think that's one of those things we're not going to know until you get into August whether or not this team is actually good enough to win a title. I, I just don't think there's any way to tell at this point. I would probably say it's unlikely, but I would have given you a flat-out no without the trade. Well, don't spoil your answer. I was going to get to that, but let's talk about Orlando for a second. And I, I don't want to get too much into the machinations of the Orlando bubble itself and you know coronavirus, because we, we, we've already done that in the past podcast, and I feel like listeners are tired of listening, listening to it. But strictly basketball, does this time off and subsequent new setting affect the way you view Houston? Like, Does it hurt them? Does it help them? Or are they still the same team in your opinion? I, I don't know. Because I, 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 we've never seen this before. You've never seen a team come back from four months off and then go straight into you know really kind of important games and then a playoff situation. Um, my, my sense is I think it hurts them because they, they are an older team. Um, and so you wonder what happens if you have to get it into gear that quick, because we've seen this in the past. This isn't a team that necessarily starts quickly. We've seen this in, you know, going back five years where they start four and seven and, um, the coach gets fired. Uh, you look at last year where they were 11 and 14 after 25 games. I think they were four and seven, uh, also the, uh, last year. So they don't start the season quick. And basically, the time off is is relatively similar. I mean, after the 18 season, um, their last game was Memorial Day, and they didn't play again for five months. So now they're, they're essentially going to be a four-and-a-half-month uh, stretch that they're going to be off. And so it's hard for me to think that they can just – a team that's filled with a bunch of guys who are you know, 29, 30, 31 years old is going to be able to get it into gear that quickly. So I agree that we really don't know until we see it, right? And anything we say from now until July 31st is pure speculation. But let me speculate for a few seconds. So I think there's three clear benefits for Houston. And one is that they don't have to worry about it playing every playoff series on the road. Because every team is effectively a road team now. Uh, second, the players were pretty banged up for Houston. Um Eric Gordon, who had knee surgery earlier in the year. Austin Rivers was battling the finger. Same with Russ. Uh, Those guys were both battling finger injuries throughout the year. Those players get four months off to rest and recover those injuries. And third, Houston gets a training camp to incorporate those new guys that they brought in after the trade deadline. We're talking Robert Covington, Jeff Green, Damari Carroll, and Luke Mbamute. Now, those are all fringe benefits because to some extent, every team gets those benefits, right? Every team gets a new training camp. Every team gets uh, four months off to re- recover you know, injuries. All that stuff is, is not unique to the Rockets. Other than that, I don't think there's anything unique to Houston's play style specifically that lends themselves to thriving this environment. I've seen that theory posed several times, and I just don't buy it because I, I don't know where, what the premise is behind it. And I, I don't know if you can call this a full training camp either. Um, they still aren't allowed. They're only doing individual workouts right now. So they're basically going to get whatever practice time they have in Orlando. Uh, they're going to play some scrimmages. I think every team's going to play three scrimmages right before the restart. They'll play their eight regular season games. I doubt that they'll have any. I doubt that they'll be on the practice court a lot. 
uh, in between those eight games, and then you go straight into the playoffs. So I, I think that they'll, they'll get the benefit of spending some time together and getting on the floor with one another, but that would have happened if the season wasn't stopped. So I, I don't know um, if having the extra practice time, if there even is a significant amount of extra practice time, will really help them all that much. Uh, I do think the stuff about them being banged up is important. Uh, Eric Gordon looks to be in really good shape. Obviously, Kelly's done the reporting on uh, on James Harden. Uh, Russell Westbrook is obviously, it's not like he's been just sitting on the couch and, and eating the entire four months. It looks like he's in, in good shape just from what you see on Instagram. Uh, so I do think that stuff helps an older team. I just, my big concern is, all right, they've been off for four months. Now what happens when you get it into gear very quickly and you don't have time to just ease into things? That's a fair concern. I, but what I'll say is I think after, I, I think given the scrimmages, I think they'll find themselves a lot quicker than maybe you think they will. Like I, I think the, I think they'll be, by the time they play their second game, I think they'll be back into gear. That They may struggle that first game, but I think once they play that second game, I think they'll have sufficient time to really get their bodies acclimated to playing NBA basketball. Now, whether or not they'll be playing good NBA basketball, God knows. I mean, I've, my my best guess is that every team will be playing a little sloppy in Orlando uh, to start off. Uh, and I think, you know, the point about Eric Gordon coming back is really key because Eric Gordon did not have a good year this year. Like, he struggled with the knee stuff and it was kind of an under the radar story but he shot 28 percent from three this year i we all know he can do better than that like he's a career 35 percent three-point shooter he's he's gonna be much better than that and i think it really helps him that that's a guy you know like I, whenever i get asked you know who's the x factor for houston going to the playoffs whenever i get asked that question i, I tend to say houston's wings but it really should be Eric Gordon specifically because Eric Gordon just when he's on he completely changes the identity of Houston uh, he he makes them a kind of sort of contender to a bona fide contender when he's playing at his best uh, having that third ball handler having that floor spacing having a guy you can pull up and shoot uh, you know 25 to 27 foot, footers off the dribble is just you know ridiculously helpful if he's healthy I mean he can carry an offense and you saw him carry carry the offense in that Utah game where he scored 50 when Harden and Westbrook didn't play. But here's my question for you. You you say that they might need, you know, the one game by game two, they're back in gear. But just we, we've seen it where they have been off for an offseason. This is basically what it was. They basically had an offseason. And we'll see them not look good for a month into the year. So what makes you think that all of a sudden it's going to be different now? Well, I think the roster is much better than what they started the year off with because I think it's like the 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 clunky floor spacing stuff is gone. Like you you have proper floor spacing on on at all times, and you know the Harden and Westbrook dynamic is going to be a little bit better because they played together before. Granted, it's been four months since they played since they played together, but they have played together. They know each other a little bit better than they did um, at the start of the season, and I I I just I just think they the group elements are going to be a little bit cleaner than they were at the start of the season. I think you're going to see a lot of really ugly basketball in Orlando for those regular season games. I think you might, it'll get a little bit better for the first round, but I, I think it's going to be, you just have a bunch of guys that haven't really been on a court. I, these guys have played, but again, they're not working out as a group. There are no group workouts right now. I think it's just going to be hard for, and this isn't just a rockets thing. This is, an all 22 teams sort of thing, just just jumping back into it. 
Yeah, yeah, I agree. But that's kind of like my point. It's not unique to the Rockets. I think if you're going to see sloppy basketball, it's going to be sloppy basketball for everybody. You know, it's one of those things where, like, you can't simulate NBA play. Like, you just have to play it. And then they only have eight games. They don't have really much of a run-up. I think, think really, when you're talking about all these teams being without proper training camps, like, I, I think, I think, that advantage gets pretty, pretty negated. What, what I really think Houston benefits were is the injuries. And I think having these having these new guys come in and play at least a couple weeks with the roster helps them because they haven't had that time before. And I will tell you, I think one of the bigger issues they have is really the one important game that they have in Orlando is the first game. And they, yeah. they really need to beat Dallas in that game to, to stay out of the seven seed. Yeah, because you know I, I don't know how important seating is actually going to be. Like you said, you're you're on the there's no there's no home court advantage, but you need to stay out of that seven seed so you can avoid the two LA teams in the first round. I think after that you'll take whatever you can get. Doesn't really matter, but you know if you can finish, I, I think that there is some value to to finish to getting into the four five, but I would put them as a favorite over Oklahoma City, over Denver, over Utah in round one, but they'd be pretty big underdogs against the Clippers or Lakers in round one. No, I agree. I, I, I think um, you obviously those, those bottom two seats, nobody wants to get them. And it's one of those things where like Houston should try and get a top four seat if they can, because I do think team strength is still going to be a factor. I don't think, although I think uh, home, as we discussed home court advantage is not going to be a factor. I still do think you'd rather play the teams five through eight than uh, teams one through four. If you, if you can, if you can try and do that, uh, I, the Rockets aren't going to get a top three seat. That's not going to happen. Like that's just out of the, out of the equation. If they can get it, if they can grab the fourth seed, they're in, they're in a pretty solid spot going to the playoffs. It's going to take a, crazy wing total but i mean if they can't if they can do that that that'd be something they should aim for and and definitely that first game and their schedule isn't terrible i mean obviously every every team in this thing has a tough schedule but they only play one out of the top four current they only play one out of the current top four seeds in the west and one out of the uh, current top four seeds in the east and uh i think after you get one through four, the best team they play in the East is Indiana, and Indiana's not going to have Victor Oladipo. So uh, the schedule isn't terrible for them uh, in Orlando for the eight games. What's one t- What's one game you're really looking forward to from that Rocket schedule? Well, I don't even have it in front of me. Um, I think probably just the first, either the first one with Dallas or the Lakers game, because I think there's a very good chance that the Rockets will wind up playing the Lakers if they get to round two. And uh, you'd like to see, we've already seen uh, how the small ball work, looked against the Lakers once. I want to see how it looks again. I want to see how the Lakers adjust to it. I want to see if the Lakers decide to just go small or, or do they stay big? Because this is kind of a, a further conversation, but if I'm them, I'd rather play. Well, I wouldn't say I'd rather, but I would lean towards wanting to play the Lakers above the Clippers in round two. No, I 100% agree. And in fact, that's the game that I had circled here because I mean, I, you said it, man. That's that small ball matchup against the Lakers is really, really interesting. And I, I do think the Lakers have a tendency to play into it and want to feed the ball to Anthony Davis. And that's what the Rockets want. They want the they want the Lakers to get out of their offense and play to their style of basketball. And if they do that, they're playing into Houston's you know hands. And I and 
that is going to be an interesting second round matchup if, if that ends up being the case. That team in general, I, I've just been skeptical of the Lakers this entire year. They they've been really good. Don't get me wrong, uh, but just the depth around it. After, when you once you get past like Danny Green and Alex Caruso. I get really skeptical of that Lakers team. I don't trust it much beyond the top four, but that top four is so solid. It's hard not to like them uh, as a title contender. But, you know, I mean, again, this is a team that was auditioning for players midseason, right? Like they they have a major hole to fill at at backup point guard, and they were auditioning for Darren Collison uh, midseason. That's you know that that, that's kind of what we're we're talking about with the Lakers as far as their guard positions. That they have. Um, some significant holes that they never got to fill, uh, and they're they're having to fill up Avery Bradley's spot with J.R. Smith. I'm really skeptical of that, and in general, I've just been skeptical of this Lakers team since the season started. So, I think the Clippers are on a different tier. I I just oh I just always have. I know the Lakers have a better record. I just always thought the Lake the Clippers are better. And if the Rockets can manage, if the Rockets can play well in that Lakers series, I mean, it, it really reveals some stuff about their team. I would take those two Lakers stars, though, above everyone else. And when you get into postseason basketball, two stars like that can be the difference. So uh, the Lakers stars are better. But like you said, uh, the Clippers are are more well-rounded. And I think the Clippers are just they match up better uh, against the Rockets small ball. Uh, I think that you saw it in that game in March where uh, and even the Clippers didn't have to play small in that game. They, They played Zubats and Zubats killed the Rockets in that game. Which was a bit concerning if I'm if I'm over on the Rockets side. Oh, for sure. I mean, again, like if the Clippers didn't exist, like I might have the Rockets as one of my favorites to come out of the West. But the Clippers exist, and they they along with the Celtics have the ability to play small ball as as well, if not better than the Rockets, because their wings are just so dynamic on both ends of the floor, and it it lends itself to a really compelling matchup. Uh, if we can get Rockets Clippers in a conference finals, that'd be really awesome to watch. Uh, but I, but in general, I think the Rockets end up on the bottom half of that scenario. Um, it'll be interesting. Listen, it's going to be really interesting to see if the it, like I don't I, I'm still struggling to see how I view the how I view teams in general uh, from whatever the first half of that season was compared to this this second half like i'm i'm not sure if we should view them the same because it's it's just it just feels totally different it feels getting 4 months off getting this mini training camp in it, 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 i i don't know how to view a lot of these teams that I, that we had preconceived notions of going into the playoffs yeah i i have the same feeling I, i'm also not 100% convinced that this is actually going to happen um, Woj is just now reporting that the Bucks have become. I, I'm not. I've lost track of how many teams have actually shut down their facilities, but uh, the Bucks have now shut down their facility after they got their uh, their latest res, uh, result of testing on Friday. So uh, I think the Clippers have shut down their facility. The uh, the Nets have shut down theirs. I'm, try, I'm I think there are other teams that have done the same. Obviously, the Raptors are already in Toronto, or they're already in Orlando because they aren't they aren't practicing in Toronto. Um, so yeah, that's the uh, that's the other side of this is that nobody is a hundred percent sure that this is, this is actually going to go off. The Raptors had that special exception that, that they basically snuck into the country so they can practice in Orlando uh, because again we have all these we ha- like we have rules prohibiting uh, Canadians from entering the country right now. It it, it is wild 
uh, that the NBA is going to try to pull this off. I do think it's going to happen, but it's going to be really, really tricky to see how they do all, how they manage all this. Um, listen, this was really fun, Adam. Uh, plug any work you have going on, and where can we follow you on Twitter? Uh, at Adam Spolane, A D A M S P O L A N E. Uh, we'll have some stuff on SportsRadio610.com. Uh, some Astro stuff also. That's as crazy as this NBA thing is. It almost feels like MLB is even more crazy at this point. For sure, I am looking forward to watching the Astros this season. Uh, thank you so much. Yep, sure thing. Make sure to give Adam a follow on Twitter and follow all his work for Sports Radio 610. Also, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher if you enjoy the show. Give us five stars on iTunes because it really helps people find the show. And yeah, guys, good night. This is Brandon Kelly, the host of Blue Wire's new podcast, Golden Goal. Messi takes everybody on. Messi has got it! From Lionel Messi to Marta to Pele, our show takes a deep dive into soccer superstars. What a World Cup for Megan Rapinoe! From Zlatan Ibrahimovic's brash confidence with the play to back it up, to Megan Rapinoe's heroic outspokenness and World Cup flair. Each episode examines a personality of the world's game. We'll dig into Maradona's Hand of God performance and subsequent downfall. The teenage trio at Dortmund that signaled the next generation of superstars. And that infamous headbutt that slung Zinedine Zidane from glory. Golden Goal. Soccer stars and the moments that made them. Premiering this summer on Blue Wire.